Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pixels. This is our big Games of the Year episode. Um, this is going to be a fun one because I, Patrick Beja, uh, am joined by two wonderful co-hosts. First, the acclaimed podcaster and streamer, Jocelyn Kearney. How are you doing, Jocelyn? I'm wonderful. When you started that intro, I didn't think you were going to do me first. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I guess ladies first and uh, also Canadians first. So there you go. You finally get repaid for being so nice in the entire history of the world. So thank you very much. Uh, on the oh, other, you're welcome. That was all me. <laughs> on the other side of the podcast is uh, from Kotaku, Jason Trier. I was trying hello, to think hello, of. Hello. I was trying to think of something super nice to say about you, but for some reason, uh, uh, I nothing came up. But, no, uh, I know. It's hard, oh. to think of, it's hard to think of nice things to say about me. I get it. I totally get it. Acclaimed investigative journalist from T Kotaku. I guess that works. Hello. How, how's it going, Jason? Good. Thank you for having me. How I have to ask before we launch into the show, how has uh, life been with a child? Uh, good. I'm, I'll be surprised if you don't hear her crying in the background right now in, in the other room as my wife tries to feed her. <laughs> Listen, uh, hearing other people's babies cry uh, makes me happy because mine has been <laughs> crying so much that we share a little bit of the pain. So thank you for that. So I do want to go over one little tidbit of news before we get started on uh, the year's games and our games of the year. And uh, I will note we'll rush through a couple of things because Jason uh, only has half an hour with us. Uh, but I do want to mention last week uh, we did the episode about the AIM Awards with our good friend Daniel Ahmad, and we were both equally confused about the name for the next Xbox. Well, I guess we weren't super confused, but it did sound a little bit weird to have the console called Xbox Series X. And I'm not going to go over that again because I think everyone knows what that uh, was. But they had to come out uh, again three days later and address the naming convention um, misunderstandings and say and state that the next generation is actually just Xbox and that Series X, I guess we suspected, but this is this specific model. So I guess we're going from Xbox One to just Xbox, and that's the name of the generation, and I suspect the uh, coming generations or coming devices for all eternity. Um, What do you guys think of that new naming convention and the Series X? And I guess we're going to get a Series S as well. Um, Jason, are you happy with Xbox as a name? Um, I, I think this it makes perfect sense. It's, it's something I've been saying for a long time is that Microsoft's strategy um, 
pretty much for the past like three or four years, their long-term strategy has been, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the iPhone approach and we are not going to make games that are exclusive for one piece of hardware. We're going to make games that are both forwards and backwards compatible. And maybe we'll have different generations of games that fade in and out the way it does on an iPhone. Um, But we will release these new Xboxes maybe every year or two instead of every five or six or seven years. And we will have it be more of an ecosystem where you can just kind of upgrade or jump in at any time rather than uh, having to wait for the next console generation or like like follow these seven-year giant cycles. So just using the, the, the word Xbox makes a lot of sense for that approach because it allows them to introduce new series or maybe the next big one will be the X2 or maybe it'll also just be Xbox Series <laughs> X newest iteration in that um and then yeah we'll have other series the the smaller uh or the the lower powered xbox will probably be called something else and yeah it it makes a lot of sense i guess it it will make even it's a little bit confusing now maybe but within a couple of years we won't really think about it it will just be like oh there's a new model for the 2021 or 2022 uh xbox series x or something like that i I suppose Mm -hmm. um Joss, it, are you happy with that as well? There, it, it is a little bit frustrating that Microsoft is once again uh, fumbling a little bit, not massively, it's not a concern or anything, but on a communication. But uh, yeah, I guess Xbox is fine. Yeah, for me, I'm just like, I still have to say Xbox Series S, which is like a tongue twister. Or X. <laughs> Xbox C, well, I there can't you even go. get it straight right <laughs> now. Um, and I don't know, It just it's it's one of those things where you're talking about iPhones or you're talking about even like Playstations. And it's, it's very obvious to me when I look at an iPhone or a PlayStation, like which one goes next. It was like iPhone, you know, four, five, six, like easy peasy. PlayStation two, three, four, Xbox. Like what's better? S, X? I don't know. Like <laughs> I, it just, they don't clarify much. I'm glad that I can just talk about playing on my Xbox, but that's what I did anyways when I was talking about playing on my Xbox one. Like, okay, Microsoft, yeah. Whatever you say. It's <laughs> thanks yeah. for the clarification. <laughs> this is of course the, the company behind Windows 95, Windows 98, Windows 2000, right? <laughs> Windows 7, <laughs> Windows NT. So this is this is not, yeah. not exactly yeah, they're so helpful with their naming convention. Naming. Yeah, and, and to be to be fair, it's not like Windows suffered as a result of that weird naming convention. Mm. So once we you know, people say, Oh, I have Windows, and then you if you need to get into it, you'll wonder what ver- version you have, but it doesn't really matter all that much. What matters is that you're on Windows. And I guess that Mm -hmm. will translate to Xbox down the line. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the Xbox. Now let's jump into the the year in gaming, the year that almost was. uh, It's almost over. Um, In general, I wonder what your thoughts are about this year. Before we get into our specific favorite games, uh, let's start with Joss. What do you think of this year's games and and was it exceptional interesting what's your your gut feeling on that i think this year uh, interesting is probably a good word for it i mean we had a couple of really strong years and i don't feel like 2019 was as strong as 2017 and 2018 i i kind of went back through all of like my podcast episodes what i'd played what i had enjoyed and i was like man i actually spent a lot of time this year going back into things that I hadn't played from like previous years, like I played like Assassin's Creed. I went back to like Far Cry and I was like, huh, 
why did I have all this extra time? And there wasn't all that much stuff this year outside of uh, some of the indie offerings. I thought this year was exceptional for indie games. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that really like grabbed me in the AAA space. So yeah, I, this year for me, but then again, I didn't, um, I didn't play or because uh, Sekiro is totally not my style of game. Uh, I didn't pick up Death Stranding because that just looked way too weird. And I haven't had a chance to like jump into Outer Worlds yet. So like I know there were some triple A's that just kind of I didn't touch this year. But um, I think that was just like maybe my personal gaming style. But yeah, I just when I looked at like all the nominees from the Game Awards and stuff, I was like, huh, this just seems kind of like a... Mm. A little bit like it, not it's it wasn't not quite a bad enough year. year. I think if yeah. we hadn't just come out of like 2017, 2018, then I think 2019 would have been awesome. But because of the previous years that we had, this was kind of a little bit of a downturn. Like it wasn't a terrible year for games. It was just it was just kind of okay. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. It's like there are a lot of interesting things, but no obvious giant uh, game of the year contender that everyone will agree on. The interesting stuff came more from the indie or double A side, which makes mm -hmm. it a little bit less shiny, I suppose. But also you're right. Like even 2016, we had Doom and Overwatch and a couple of other things, but 2017 and 2018 were so resplendent that uh, in comparison, anything uh, uh, kind of looks a little bit dimmer. Jason, yeah, we got would you spoiled. agree? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think Joss is 100% right. I think it was a really, um, really fantastic year for indie games. And you will see that when I start talking about my favorite games of the year <laughs> um, and kind of a, an off year for the AAA world. And I think that's pretty typical for the year before a new generation of consoles. Is right, they're saving everything, in 2012. I guess, yeah. Yeah, things are getting saved or it's what what's more likely that happens is that companies, uh, everybody, every game studio is trying to delay their game as much as possible, get as much time as possible for their game. And often it winds up working out that you can delay your game up until the year and like the, a few months before your new console is released. But um, oh, so everything is getting that, stacked. Right. Yeah, you mean everything so, is getting stacked just before the next generation because you don't want to release yes. your game on the previous. Oh, right. Right. Makes sense. Exactly. Mm. So what we're going to see next year is a giant cluster of games like the Cyberpunks and the uh, the the Last of Us twos and the the Ghost of Tsushima's like all mm. spread out throughout um, the months before the fall, and then in the fall we'll see a ton of cross gen games. Um, new Assassin's Creed and uh, all sorts of other interesting stuff that is like has just been saved. So a lot of companies are saving both for both of those reasons, both to launch on next gen and then also to get out right before next gen. Mm. But yeah, next year should be a lot, a lot stronger for AAA. Yeah, I was preparing actually for the next episode where we'll talk about the games of 2020. And it's funny, it's like, avalanche of amazing titles until mm -hmm. basically the, the day before E3, and then complete darkness. Like we know nothing. Like we have titles we know are are coming, but it's it's clear that everyone's waiting to announce stuff at E3 for the end of the year, and uh, that's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, let's get into then our favorite games of the year because there were some really interesting and really good games. Period. Uh, as I mentioned, J Jason, you get uh, first. Dibs, I suppose. What are your... I said three to five. Uh, you can decide what you want because of that weird position that there aren't any clear, obvious AAA winners. But uh, mm -hmm. however many you choose, you, you decide. 
Yeah, I have three games um, that stood out to me as my favorites of the year. And then I have a few more after that that I won't get into, but those are kind of like the the tier below that. But these three are by far like the best games I played this year, my favorite games of the year. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of crank through them because as mentioned, I have to uh, leave after half an hour or so. Um, so let's start with Outer Wilds, not to be confused with the Outer Worlds. Um, Outer Wilds is a game, uh, an independent game made by a few people, um, started off as a student project and kind of expanded and expanded over time. It is a game about exploring space and the way that it works is you play as this um, adorable little alien who is on a planet full of other adorable aliens who are all explorers and you have your kind of ramshackle little uh, spaceship and you get into it and you set off and you are told go explore space and then you can go around to a few different planets and you can see how what's what's you can look for things on them you part of your one of your goals is to uncover the mysteries behind an ancient civilization of another alien race that was uh used to inhabit this galaxy before your race did um and so you are just off exploring and then on your first trip something that you might notice is that after i don't know about like 20 minutes of real time suddenly you're gonna die and then you will wake up right where you left off because it turns out that you are caught in a time loop and the galaxy destroys itself every 20 minutes. And suddenly you're faced with these mysteries. Why is the galaxy destroying itself? What is happening here? How do I stop this? Can I stop this? What's up with the alien race? And you are tasked with kind of piecing together these mysteries by just exploring and there isn't anything else you can do in the game except for explore there are no gameplay mechanics there's no fighting there's no um, moving boxes around it's just there's no progression either yeah, the, the progression is all in your mind, and you have a computer on your ship that uh, that keeps a log of all the things you've found already, which is useful, a yeah. useful device for keeping track of things. That, that's really essentially just taking notes, but your character is not going to progress. I, I'll... I'll mention quickly that it is also my favorite game of the year i'm I'm not really ranking them but it would be number one by far and it is an incredible incredible experience i only discovered it recently because i didn't like it when i first tried and i heard so many people uh, including you guys on split screen um Mm -hmm. talk about it and rave about it that i uh, uh give it gave it another try and i don't think i've ever quite had that kind of experience in any game um in gaming in general it's just about exploring but everything about it is mind-bending and wonderful and takes you by surprise while having always been there um it's it's really a once a, you know one of a kind type of of gaming experience and experience period mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. It's unlike anything I played before. Mm. And it is the rare game with a perfect ending. Um, it just it all resolves itself really well. Mm. Um, the best I would describe it to people who haven't heard about this game by now is that it's kind of like a mix of Metroid and Majora's Mask. And um, and I guess I guess <laughs> throw in like an exploration, like walking simulator type game, a gone home in there. Yeah. Um, that's the best way to describe it. Um, the, the, so, you yeah. already sold me and then you said Majora's 
Pandora's mask. And I'm like, okay, because honestly, I this totally I missed this completely. I thought Patrick, because mm-hmm. he had put it in the notes previously, I thought he did a typo. I was like, no, he means Outer Worlds, clearly. <laughs> yeah, that's been a common thing. Uh, yeah, very strange. Even the posters that... look the same because I just quickly went and looked them up and I was like, oh, wow, no, this is okay. <laughs> Outer Wilds. It's right, unfortunate for both games that that happened yeah. this year. But no, yeah, the Majora's Mask thing is interesting. So Majora's Mask, um, one of the kind of dimensions you have to think about in Majora's Mask is time because you're thinking, okay, it is now 6 p.m. That means this shopkeeper is here and this guy is over here. And so I can't do this side quest, but I can do this side quest. And because of Outer Wild structure, you're thinking about things in the same way. Like, oh, oh this planet is doing this thing and this planet. Because part and, of the whole big experience is that it's all a big physics simulation. So the planets are all orbiting and things are happening on each of the planets that will only occur at a certain time. And so you have to like keep all keep track of all this as you're playing. It's really, really I, cool. The, the things will we'll move on, but the thing that is really special about this game is that it's not just that time is is moving and you have to think about it, but it's it's about the, the way the physics in the world works, which is different on each planet and wonderful on each planet. And when you figure out something, because there are many things to do on each one, and when you figure something out, it's been there all along because everything mm-hmm. resets every 22 minutes. So it's not like you can work toward, work towards something. Everything is there for you to do. It's just that you have to understand it. And, and once you do, it's unlocked, but it's not through any gameplay mechanic. It's just the, the value of everything is understanding it, not just how it works, but it. It's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. M- yes. Maybe I'll talk about it a little bit more uh, <laughs> later, but uh, go on with your uh, second game, Jason. Okay, two more games. Um, so the next game is uh, an RPG called Disco Elysium. That ah, is nice. Unlike any RPG I've played before, the kind of the theme, the running theme here is games that are unlike anything I've played before. Um, so Disco Elysium is it's sort of like the old classic RPG Planescape Torment, and it's very much inspired by that in the sense that you play as someone who wakes up and doesn't remember anything about their life and has a lot of conversations in their own head. Um, and Disco Elysium takes things to a new level. So the way that this game works is um, it's all dialogue. So everything you're doing is reading. It's basically a giant visual novel. Um, And as you... Uh, at the beginning of the game, you get to select a bunch of stats and put points in stats the way you would in any RPG. You're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to put stats in empathy. I'm going to put stats in my endurance, my physical strength, whatever it is. Except some of them are a little more bizarre. Some of them are um, named things like Inland Empire, and they are <laughs> they have kind of vague descriptions, and you're left to wonder what they might actually mean. Then as you start playing the game, you'll notice that these stats aren't just like numbers or skill checks or anything like that. They are actually voices inside of your head each of the stats has its own personality and talks to you as you play so like your character might go up to somebody and be like hey and talk to them and your empathy in your head your empathy skill will start saying oh hey well this person is feeling this way um and then uh your uh endurance skill might say well if you did this then you could survive this and then some of the other skills might start making jokes and saying things that are a little ridiculous um your drama skill might start suggesting that you lie your (laughs) face off to everyone you meet um and it winds up becoming this really intricate elaborate game where you are um so so the the 
premise is that you are a detective, right? And you are trying to solve a murder mystery. And as you go about this universe that they've created, the city they've created, you're investigating the murder mystery, trying to figure out um, what happened to the murder victim and also what happened to you. And you find clues and you talk to people and you interact with objects and then you talk to more people and then you make decisions and try to figure out where the plot will unfold. Um, And it's really, really cool because of all the things I mentioned and because it is written really well it doesn't take itself too seriously there's a lot of good humor to it um it has a lot of it explores a lot of interesting political topics and conversations um it's set in this world that was like under the the it it takes place after a failed communist revolution and um you one of the big plots is you trying to discuss like decide whether you want to side with these union labor organizers who are also super corrupt or um the kind of fascist syndicate that has come to deal with them and it is just a brilliant game just full of um interesting decisions that you can make as a player and consequences that, that happen from those it's basically like the the pinnacle of a, a branching narrative game because every decision that you make in the game matters and has very real consequences um so it's an rpg without combat there's no battling or anything like that it's all talking and um and talking to your skills and talking to the voices in your head and making decisions based on that and collecting objects and um if anything it's more like a lucas lucas arts point and click adventure than anything right, else yeah. so it's sort of like planescape tournament meets a, a lucas arts game and i love it it's it's something that i've been raising about to anyone who'll listen. It's also, uh, just like Outer Wilds, super unique. Um, yep. I wonder if I know what your third game is going to be, but uh, I, I think it might also be quite unique, but yep. Yep. okay. So I'll just ask you, is it Baba Is You? It sure is. All right. It sure is. <laughs> yeah, I, so I'll just mention this. It's kind of incredible how these three games are, I think, defining of this year, and they're completely it is impossible to recreate almost because if you if, if you remake something like this if, if if you remake the gimmick of talking to the voices in your head i don't think it's like you know you have an fps and you make a better fps and that's more fun it would just be exactly the same or maybe not maybe it can be written differently but in previous years it felt like games are just triple a fantastic triple a game which i love usually But these are like these unique, interesting experiences that are completely different and not, it's not like last year we'll get, uh, next year we'll get Disco Elysium 2 or Outer Wilds 2. That wouldn't make sense, I feel. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a good year for games that just do totally new things. And they're all reminders, sort of like how Return of the Oberdin last year was. Mm-hmm. They're all reminders that, like, we still don't know everything that video games can do. Like, we all love to play uh, the Destinies and Assassin's Creeds and Jedi Fallen Orders of the World, where it's all just, like, the mechanics we've seen a billion times before and the same checkpoints and uh, uh, open worlds and collectathons and side quests and skill trees and all that all that stuff that we've seen many times before. Um, and those are all fun, but it's cool in a year like this to see three different games that all just like remind you that we as a a video game culture still don't know, like our heads haven't even begun to explore the possibilities of what a video game can be and what it can do. Mm. Um, so tell us a little bit about Baba is you, I think we've described it in, in the show before, but, uh, Go ahead. 
Yeah, well, I'll give you a quick run through. So Baba is You is a puzzle game, and it is kind of a two-dimensional, um, top-down look at this uh, at, a, at a series of maps. And you play as a little creature. Um, I think it's a sheep named Baba, and you can Which move makes Baba sense. using ba- directional ba- pads. Yeah, Baba. Right? Yeah. Um, and you can move da- Baba around maps and push things using his body. Um, so it's all very simple to, to play with. Um, and the way it works is... Every single level has, in addition to obstacles, it has words, or um, and you can take those words and connect them. So the the name is called Baba is You because the you word uh, signifies each of these words has is a rule set essentially. It's like a programming language almost. The you. Uh, word is the player so baba is you means the player is you now if you happen to be playing as baba and you're moving around and you push the baba word upwards and suddenly it's no longer making the sentence baba is you then you are no longer controlling baba and the game actually ends unless you find someone else to replace baba with and that's is you so let's say there's a rock on the screen and you find a word that says rock you move that rock word into is you and then suddenly you are controlling the rock because the rule is now rock is you um and as you progress there are hundreds of levels in this game that just have increasingly elaborate um rules and words and sentences that you can come up with in order to solve all these puzzles and ultimately in each of these maps um the the goal is always to get to a win state so um let's say you find a a map that says flag is win then you have to go walk on the flag or you have to change is win to be something else and then you walk on that so it starts off really simple and you can kind of figure out exactly how the the rules are going to work and then it just gets incredibly complicated as the game goes on um and it is absolutely brilliant it's it requires a lot of um thinking skills that other games don't really require um and in addition to having to conceive like conceptualize what you're going to do you also have to execute it because it's still a tough like moving puzzle game that requires a lot of intricate moving and uh, a lot of times you'll have to like really think in advance it will make your brain hurt i guarantee yeah, you that definitely um <laughs> But yeah, it's really, really cool. And then eventually later in the game, you start getting into all this meta narrative stuff and you realize that the rules uh, expand even bigger than you thought was possible. And it just winds up. Yeah, it's it's an incredible video game. Highly, highly recommend it. I think the comparison was made to Portal, which is probably the best way of explaining how your brain explodes when you figure mm-hmm. out one of the puzzles and what, how it yep. redefines what you think is possible within like the game and also within reality <laughs> in a weird way. Um, and also it just makes you feel like a genius every time yes. you, uh, every time you saw something. <laughs> oh, it's so satisfying. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a trio of, of games as uh, we just mentioned, which is showing that this year it's weird to be, to be saying what we said earlier, which is, you know, it, there's no uh, uh, game that is the obvious winner, But at the same time, as much as I love God of War and Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I played so much of and I adored last year, like they were true achievements, they are not as, I don't know, it's a different kind of quality for games and for gaming and for what the medium and the art can achieve. And and this feels more like pure art or gaming art. I don't know. It's it's two very different things that both have value, but these ones are amazing as well. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't know that I can rank them, but... Um, um, all right. Can you tell us the other couple of games you wanted to mention? 
Um, yeah, just like offhand, um, a couple other games that really impressed me this year. Um, I really liked Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I really liked Sekiro. Um, I really liked... Uh, um, what else? What am I thinking of? There are a few more games that are still on my list to play. I really like... So one of my favorite games of this year, actually, this doesn't count because it came out last year, but a game called Cross Code, which is um, sort of like a, a 16-bit JRPG. And the gimmick is that uh, you are playing as a character who's inside an MMO. And so you uh, are like experiencing all these MMORPG tropes within a single player game. And it's all just designed super well. And it's like, like got Zelda style puzzles and really great combat. And I love, love, love that game, but unfortunately it came out last year, so (laughs) it can't qualify for this year's best games. Um, And yeah, just a bunch of other things that I played. Um, And yeah, I'm still, still trying to, to sort together my personal top 10 list, which will be on Kotaku next week. Um, So Yeah. Pretty yeah. pretty solid year, and, um, and on that note, I should probably get going. Okay, uh, sure. Did, well, yeah, thank you. you. Last no, no, I no. I'll I'll just let you go. I know uh, you have you're a busy dad, uh, and I know yes, how that baby is, is so. calling. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for uh, sharing your uh, favorite games with us, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll let you go. Uh, if people okay, great. want thank to, thank you guys so much. If people want to follow what you're uh, about, you, what you're doing, I will include the link to your uh, Twitter account in the show notes. Thanks, Jason. Okay, great. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. Uh, yeah, I think we've we've kind of already spoiled uh, what this year is really about because those three games are definitely, um, you know, the 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 ones that I think people will remember in. 10 years and maybe the games that might influence in a way or maybe not they're so weird and specific you you played <laughs> all three of them right oh no not uh, no Wild, actually sorry. uh no baba is you is the only one on that oh. list i'd actually played and okay. and i really like the comparison to it being a programming language because that was definitely the part of my brain that i was flexing when i was playing that mm. game and it was very close to being on my list, but I know why now, because literally like while Jason was finishing off his list, I was just like trying to figure out how I missed Outer Wilds. It's the same reason I almost completely missed, literally like bought and downloaded and started playing because of the Game Awards. I hadn't even realized Control had come out because I don't live in the Epic Game Store. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just completely missed it because I don't play Fortnite. So I don't have like the launcher up and stuff. So when this when these games go uh, completely on the Epic Game Store as exclusives, I miss them. So that's oh. why, so I just doubt I'm ready to go with Outer Wilds. I'm, I'm super stoked. It sounds amazing. It's, uh, you it's both also... spoke so highly about it. But man, that's why I missed it. It's also on the um, Game Pass, by the way, on the Xbox, not on PC. Mm. Um, but if you have an Xbox with uh, with Game Pass, it's available there. So that's something you can do. And Baba is You is on the Switch as well. So that's a perfect yes, platform yeah. to play it on. Oh, um, such a good platform. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's get into your favorite games of the year. And I, I have to tell you, I really love your list. But uh, go ahead. Start with the first one. Well, I actually, I think I'm going to start with the last one because I already kind of teased it slash mentioned it. And that's Control. And Control to me was just such a really interestingly done game because it kind of just started you off in a way that was kind of super confusing because it like dropped you right into the middle of this world that was nothing was explained. It was just, you know, 
you are a person that has entered a government building and something has gone completely wrong. And it kind of takes you on this journey where it gives you all this tidbits of information. And it's like, your character knows stuff, but she's not really talking about it. She's got this crazy kind of voice in her head slash power that she uses. <laughs> and it just, it starts in such an interesting way that it makes you want to fill in all those blanks. Not to mention like the, the combat itself, it makes you feel so cool and powerful. It's like you go from like, you find a gun and okay, this is going to be a shooter to all of a sudden it's like, oh no, I'm a superhero. Like <laughs> Just the way the, the kind of your powers ramp up and your character gets more powerful. And then the way that you interact with the world around you, which is constantly changing and moving it's it's from uh, the guys that made Quantum Break, and it's just a complete and total mind bending experience. I loved it. I haven't. It was it was kind of the last one on my list because I haven't actually, like I mentioned, I just picked it up and started playing it with the Game Awards because I was looking forward to it, but hadn't realized it had actually come out yet. And uh, so I picked it up and started playing it. So I haven't actually finished it yet, but it's just. I I'm so into it. I'm loving it. I, it's it's so great so far. I'm I'm probably about like 10 hours in i think yeah i have to agree it is kind i also didn't finish it but the the just the everything about it that's something i i feel about outer wilds as well but in a very different way everything about it is in service of the experience the developer wants you to have the sound the even the the something that was uh mentioned in every review the location appears on screen the name of the location like it does in these old uh, international spy movies and yeah. and it's just the just that sets the the mood for this game in a very specific way the color palette the artistic direction the art direction is amazing and and the way it's written the dialogue the all of it is so peculiar and all of it in service of what the games want you to experience what the game wants you to experience when you're playing it it's an yeah. achievement uh uh in in something it's probably the closest to a triple a game amongst the ones we've spoken about uh, uh before but it's still so peculiar that it's it's special because of that um very much so it it very much feels like because like i mentioned how it just kind of throws you into this universe and doesn't give you all the information there's no big setup or anything else it's like they wanted you to feel a little bit off, like to just right. be a little bit uncomfortable when you were moving through the game because you don't know what's going on. So like, I feel like that really, like you said, fits into like the theming and the, and the art direction and everything else. Like it all just works so well together to just keep the player slightly in the dark, but not even in like a kind of linear way. Like most games do, you know, like you never know anything or you never know everything going into any game, but this just, it's like they drop you into the middle and give you pieces of the past and the future. And you have to mm. fill in all of the blanks around the information that they've given you. So it's uh yeah, it just, it's not really like anything else I played this year. So, which seems to be the theme of everything that we're picking. So yeah. And I love a good mystery and I love a good story. And my biggest thing in like any media that I actually consume is I hate being able to figure out the ending mm. 
at any point. Like if I can figure out exactly what the twists are going to be and where the, cause I like, that's kind of how I then play you're things done. is I'm constantly trying to solve the mystery. If I solve it too soon, then I just, I give up. I'm like, ah, oh, this is boring. Mm. So control is just like twists and turns. And like I said, you're never given all the information. And it's just, it's so cool. So yeah, that, that was my, because I hadn't finished it. I wasn't sure if I should put it on my list. That's why it's at the end, but it was one of my favorite experiences of the year. Right. I, I wonder if, if we had had those big releases that we've had last year and that we're going to get next year, if all of these uh, gems, these treasures would have sunk to the bottom um, or been less visible. So I guess in a way it's a, it's kind of a blessing that we they, they managed to um, get surfaced. All right. What's your second or I guess first I don't know Second if they're first, ranked, yeah. but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really rank them because um, like the fine, conversation yeah. we had with Jason. Yeah, they're they're all kind of so different that it's hard to say, you know, which is which, you know, in terms of any kind of ranking here. But um, I put Telling Lies on my list and I never played the, I, I guess, the first game from this developer, which was Her Story. Uh, it didn't really appeal to me. Like it, it was a lot of people were talking about it. It won a lot of awards. But then Telling Lies came out, which I thought was super intriguing and really well done. And for some reason, I feel like not a lot of people played it or were talking about it. And I, I hesitate to say it was better because it's it's hard to say since I didn't play the first one, but it was incredibly well done and super compelling. So the idea behind telling lies is that you are a, a member of the NSA and you've been uh, given this, or well, not given, you've stolen all of these recordings and so it's things like Skype calls, uh, hidden cameras, just voice recordings, all that kind of stuff uh, that has to do with these, uh, I think it's four people. And you don't know like why. And this is kind of probably why it kind of uh, appeals to me in the same sort of way that Control did. The mystery it's like aspect to, of it, figuring yeah, it out. Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. you're trying to figure out a mystery. And so you watch a clip and then you can type in a word and it will search all clips for that word. And then so you try to kind of piece together like and it'll also only show you one side of a conversation. So if it's a Skype call, you'll only get the one person. So then to find the other half of the Skype call, which you can never watch like concurrently together or anything. To find the other half of the Skype call, you might pick up on a word that, you know, the character said, like he might say, you went to the grocery store. And then so if you search for grocery store, you might find the other side of that conversation mm. where the person that's talking to you is like, oh, yeah. And then I went to the grocery store. So it's like those kind of ties that you have to kind of pick out of the videos. And my play experience was so interesting in that I made it all the way through to the, the finale, which kind of um, lets you know why they're looking into these people. So I made it to the finale video and I had actually never even encountered the fourth person. And oh, I was really? like, well, how, what is it? Like, how did I just totally miss this person? Cause it was an actress that I, I had seen another thing. She's actually from Westworld. And I was like, I thought she was in this game. And then it's like, I had just completely <laughs> navigated around all of her videos, which gave me a really interesting experience because I kind of, uh, I think uh, one of the characters mentions her name in like the ending video. And so I kind of like took her name and then worked my way backwards through her video to see their relationship. And oh my God, it was so interesting. 
And again, like nothing I had ever really played again, played before. And the actors did such an excellent job because like they um, it's everything from, you know, like job interviews to like calls between like a husband and wife to, you know, like covert kind of operation, hidden camera stuff. Like it's just oh, it's so interesting just to sit and watch the videos that were made. Like the acting in this was just incredible. And then, yeah, to actually try to piece together the the mystery, this this was such a great experience. I wonder if I, I actually, I'll be honest, I haven't played either of this or her story, um, but I wonder if it's too similar. It's like an expanded on the concept of her story, and I wonder if that similarity kind of meant that people were interested in it. Were like, yeah, it's really good, but it's kind of the same, but more. Um, it, I don't know. Yeah, and I think that's probably because from what I understand, her story was kind of like. Um, well, the concept is exactly the same. Um, yeah, you're sitting across a, an interrogation table and talking to this girl while she tells her story about a murder or something like that. And you have, and you have the have tapes the as well, thing. and you yeah. have to search and yeah, 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 mm, yeah. But yeah, it so sounds similar mechanics, but very well done and a very compelling. Like once I pieced everything together, and even then, I think um, I only ended up watching something like 30% of the videos or something like that. Mm. Like when I, when I finished, I was like, Oh man, I feel like I completed so much. And then it was like, Nope. <laughs> and it does, but it feels like even when you know the ending, there's still more context that you can give it. So it feels replayable, which mm. I thought was really interesting because you are on a timer. You're, you're basically never going to see every single video in one place in one playthrough because since you are you've stolen from the nsa it's only a matter of time till they find you sort of thing so you mm. have like essentially from when you get to your apartment through the night and when the sun comes up they find you so uh you are on a bit of a timer so it was it was an interesting really interesting experience i enjoyed it quite a lot uh, is it like outer wilds where when you get when you you know the answer you can just get to quote unquote the end of the game immediately or does it work differently is there um some kind of a mechanic that you know progression mechanic that you have to go through there isn't really any kind of uh progression it's more so that like once you uh spend a certain amount of time in game it'll tick down and be like okay you know like you've used up an hour now hmm. um so it's not quite real time it's it's slightly faster than that right but uh, i mean if, but it, if you figured it out can you type the right word that you need to look for and Oh Click no, there like yeah, there's there's no kind of like end the game like code or anything else. You just you just keep watching videos until you've used up all your time. So okay. you could technically, if you know what the final video is, you could just search for that and then see it. But then but it's it like, doesn't okay, mean well, the game's well, over. It doesn't mean the game's over, yeah. Because right, the, right. the whole idea is you're trying to figure out why something happened. Mm. So technically your character is the one who stole the videos from the NSA. She already knows what happened. She knows what's going on. She's trying to figure out why it happened and how they can oh, prevent it from okay. happening again. So it's like, even if you know what the final video is, it was it was kind of a big reveal for like you as a as a person, as a player in the real world. It was a reveal, but it doesn't um, ruin the game, really, mm. if you want to replay it. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that sounds very cool. I'm so happy that this uh, second game is what it is because you're <laughs> a lot of people didn't love it but uh, apparently you did 
I know. I feel like I'm just going to be torn apart for putting this on my list, but I love this game. Like, not by you. I mean, just like when my great list goes to the internet, (laughs) people are going to be like, oh, who is this girl? What is she talking about? Because I love Days Gone. And I know so many people did not. And I just thought it was a super fun game to play. I played it all the way through, which for me is a really big thing when it comes to zombie games, because normally zombie games just put me off. I don't I don't like them. Um, There are very few things in the zombie genre that I enjoy. And even, you know, like the big one, Walking Dead is is really hit and miss for me. So when this was coming out. I thought it looked really interesting because it deals with like fast zombies instead of like lumbering slow zombies. So I was like, that's a little bit of a more interesting mechanic. So I decided to pick it up and then I got in there and I mean, it's I'm I'm playing on I have an original like first gen PlayStation 4, so I'm not playing on the pro. So it definitely had some uh, performance kind of issues because it was trying to do a lot of stuff. Basically, like the map is populated by all of these different zombies that if they notice you, they start to chase you and they kind of will gather up other zombies from around you into these hordes. Not to mention there are just big packs of roaming zombies. So it can kind of overload the system in a way quite quickly because it is trying to keep track of all of the zombies in your area. So there were some performance issues for sure. But putting that aside... The story itself, I found the characters actually really interesting. And I know a lot of people have kind of like picked apart the main relationship in the game and stuff. But I don't know. I I just felt that uh, the characters like really resonated with me. You've got like the smart girl falling for the bad boy. but He's got a heart of gold, which I know (laughs) is like it's a problematic narrative. I know this, but (laughs) it was it was a really kind of cute sweet story and uh yeah i don't know i i really really enjoyed it and the horde mechanics were really difficult in a fun way i found (laughs) right up until the very very last horde i i have not beat the lumber mill horde but still (laughs) this game i i really enjoyed i played so so much of it i couldn't put it down like it, it had to go on my list because I, I feel like I was probably the only person in the gaming world that actually had a very good time playing Days Gone. <laughs> I, I think a lot of the, I think the, the criticism that was leveled at it was that it was a little bit bland or generic, um, which is probably accurate, but it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it. Um, yeah. I, I, and I think it also kind of suffered from the fact that it was on the PlayStation and the PlayStation has had some really groundbreakingly amazing first party type titles right so then when you're stacking this up against things that are like horizon it's just like Mm. okay well but if this was on any other platform or if this was on all platforms even maybe maybe people would have looked at it a little differently but i felt like it was just possible yeah it was it was punching against some some pretty heavyweights (laughs) Mm. i I wonder did you maybe enjoy it more because you played if you played it uh on stream or did you not play it on stream? No, I didn't play it on stream. I oh, just okay. uh, I just sat on my couch <laughs> and just had a really, really good time with this. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, days gone. There's at least one person that will defend <laughs> it uh, as it deserves. Absolutely. It had a really cool uh, ending, too, that kind of made because I, I definitely Googled the ending. <laughs> but oh, okay. it had a really cool ending that set up for a um, like a sequel. And so, I mean, I know it didn't necessarily review that well, 
but no, but I, I do think hope it, it sold gets pretty well. Sequel. I no. think it sold well. Yeah. 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 yeah so. Yeah. I do well. hope they get a they get a sequel because uh, I think they could go some interesting places. I just I, I also love the idea because you're right. It wasn't quite generic, but the idea that some part of the government still survived and that to me in a in a like world apocalypse scenario is really, really interesting. So oh, I actually, think I didn't that, realize that... I didn't play far enough that I. Oh, I yeah. Got into <laughs> Sorry. That. I guess maybe that's a bit of a spoiler, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not that big of a spoiler. It's fine. And, yeah, and I think so people that who, was really who, interesting. Yeah. People who haven't played it uh, are not just just going to get it and start playing. So maybe these tidbits might get them interested. Yeah, and that is interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, because normally in a global apocalypse, it's like, oh, OK, yeah, every all of society is crumbled. Right. And Days Gone kind of plays with the idea of like, well, most of society is crumbled. But what happens if we still have, you know, little pieces here and there? And how does that uh, make the people on the ground feel because they're not, you know, being supported or getting help or like everyone's kind of on their own. But there's this like shadowy figure that's still around, which is, I think, very mm. interesting. Very cool. All right. Uh, game number three. Yeah. So this one I actually did play on stream because uh, <laughs> people like to watch me play horror type games on stream. Uh, this well, one last is time Man you were on, you, you basically reviewed uh, Dead by Daylight for us. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did go and, and download it and, and I played it a little bit. I was very bad. Um, but you mentioned you were looking forward to Man of Medan. Um, the, the, what's the title? It's like Broken Pictures, Man of Medan or whatever it is, the, the full title. Can't remember. Oh, uh, now, yeah, I'm totally blanking now, too. But it's part of a like an anthology. Right. Um, so uh, Man of Medan is dark kind pictures. of a yes. dark pictures, yes, yes. anthology. Okay. Uh, so there's this is like the first one, and it's a shorter experience than um, this is from the people that did. Oh shoot, now I'm totally blanking on it. But um, uh, until dawn, it's from those. It's from that developer, and it's it's a similar sort of an experience. Uh, so if you're familiar with the gameplay of Until Dawn, this is the same, except that you can play it co-op. Which is what I did, and so, that was until such dawn, a cool experience. Until dawn is basically you're being chased by a psycho killer, and you have to escape and survive. I guess until dawn. So that's the the gist of it. I guess there's a yeah. larger story, but yes, yeah, there is a, there is a larger story, but that's kind of how they set it up. So it's you know this group of teenagers goes to one of their like remote cabins in the woods, and then yeah, there's a slasher killer, and oh my god, what's going on and Basically, what was so compelling about Until Dawn was it's kind of like a, you navigate a lot of dialogue trees and, and there's a lot of uh, there's some quick time events and stuff. There's a lot of exploration and there's that horror element to it as well. So it's kind of uh, makes you maybe not want to take that next step. <laughs> but it's uh, it was it was a really cool and compelling game because of this group of teenagers, anyone can die. Which is something that normally you don't do in video games, right? You kind of um, were swapping from character to character to character. And if you made the wrong decision, you could lose one of them. And it wasn't like one was in particular, like super important. There, there were a couple of characters that were more like main characters. But um, they, they could all, by the end of the game, they could all be dead. Which normally is, there's usually like a fail safe. Especially if you're watching a horror movie, like... 
there's usually one who lives to tell the tale, you know, and you get that final shot of them like covered in blood, like getting help somehow. And then like the camera pans out, you know, that's like the, the tropey end to a horror. And until Dawn kind of threw that away and they were like, no, like these guys are teenagers. They're in mortal danger. They can all die. And man of Medan is, is very similar to that. And it starts off the game and basically says like, the fate like this has already happened but their fates like you have the power to to kind of um to change their fate so will you help or hinder and it's all very kind of mysterious and it's setting up the uh, this idea of the anthology because man of medan is a shorter experience than until dawn was but it's very how, much how long are we talking build. about uh i think it was about four hours okay. three three to four hours it was it was quite bite-sized but it's also, like I mentioned, since it's a co-op experience, there's actually two sides of the story that you can experience. So you choose a character right off the start, and that's the side of the story you're going to see. So you could, like, basically double that, um, that playtime. I only played through the one side, but um, I think this kind of is sort of... But, but it's almost kind second. of the thing that's spoiled when you know the ending. So okay. it is it is kind of a, a surprise ending sort of thing. But if you're playing co-op, aren't you playing the same thing with your co-op partner? Or is it like so different that you actually don't you interact? Like, how does that two sides thing work if you're playing together? Well, so you, you do play together and you're progressing through time at the same time, but you can do things like you um, explore some of the same areas, but they often separate the characters in one way or another. And then you have to try to kind of make your way back to each other. And, and so some so, things there happen that you are not aware that are happening to the other person. You're like, I guess. Right. It, so are for you... instance, like there's uh, right at the very beginning of the game, you're on this like, um, treasure hunting uh personal boat watercraft kind of thing and so there's one interaction with one player and an npc happening like above deck and then the other player with another npc will be below deck so your interactions with those characters are happening at the same time but you're in two separate physical places so you're both having conversations with npcs but you're like separated. So okay. if I were to play the other side of the story, then maybe I would be above deck and my friend would be below deck. So okay. that's so, kind of how that works. But so without spoiling, if it's spoilery, then don't tell us. But okay. it, when you say we're playing co-op, I think, you know, you're chatting on voice. And yes. you're so, <laughs> so if something happens that would, that you would experience differently when playing the other side of it, wouldn't that other person tell you when you're on voice, oh my God, like, I can't believe this is happening? Or like, do you have to refrain from telling your partner what's happening? Or are you so engrossed in it that you don't talk about it? Or Well, so I, this is kind of the thing. So we were, uh, when we were just full spoiler talking about what was happening. Okay. And, and right. that's actually kind of part of the gameplay. I think they expect you to be on voice with the other person mm. because that really added quite a lot to the experience. Uh, because there are certain parts where, and oh man, I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want don't, to don't, yeah. kind of spoil what's going on. But, um, yeah, there are definitely parts where being on voice 
would change the outcome of some situations. But mm. I also felt like they kind of expected you to be on voice. So it's not like you don't feel like you cheated. By right. Being That's on how voice. it's like. It it's feels designed, like it adds yeah. to it. Yeah. It is very much designed expecting people to be, you know, sitting on discord playing this game together. So um, it was yeah, it's it was really compelling. It was a great story. It was the kind of story that I was pretty sure I knew what was going on. And all the information that I needed was kind of given to me, like all the information I needed to solve the mystery was pretty much presented to me at the beginning. It just, some of the stuff didn't really seem important or, or what have you. And it was, it was a really interesting mix. And the, uh, I'm totally, I don't know who the, the actual game dev studio is. And that's, uh, super I massive, have I down, but Yeah. Okay. There you go. Super massive. Yeah. They do a really, really, really good job of kind of mixing the real world with the supernatural. And I like the stories that they choose to tell. And they have, so this is an anthology game. So this is the first in the anthology. So it's a shorter play, uh, shorter play time, but it is uh, the first of many that are all kind of going to fit together in a way, because like I mentioned, uh, there's this character that kind of gives you your introduction and pops up throughout and says, you know, you can influence blah, 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 blah. He basically exists in a library and pulls a book off a shelf. And then that's right. how Man of Medan starts is he he pulls the Man of Medan book. So they're all going to have that central library character and they're all going to kind of fit together that way. So the characters that you played and whether they live or die aren't going to feed into the next game. But this care, uh, this um, curator type figure, he will be in all the games to, right. to kind of pull those strings together. I don't know if it's going to like lead anywhere once they're done the anthology or if it's just kind of a all standalone things with if you've played them all you recognize that character but i'm excited because the next one comes out uh, in 2020 so I'm oh very nice um yeah. do we know the title or not yet oh i did know the title uh, <laughs> there's actually there's like a, a trailer at the end of man of medan um, oh okay i feel like it's like Maybe. I have like Hope County in my head, but I'm pretty sure that's from Days Gone. So, I'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I can't really figure it out. Okay, I'll we'll we'll I'll Google. I'll figure it out before the end of the show. I promise. All right, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, you know it's it's really interesting because you are um, oh little hope. There we go. Ah, it did have hope in it. I was yes. like, why do I have hope in my head? Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, it's basically, it's like a small town mm -hmm. uh, sort of a, a situation. So this one, Man of Medan, took place on the Man of Medan, which was actually a, a ship. Um, so it was kind of okay. a ghost ship sort of a story. And this next one is like a small town, something's going real wrong sort of a thing. So they, they are kind of tropey, but they're fun. It's really cool because the the... Two of the games, the Telling Lies and Man of Medan, I essentially didn't really have an interest in playing, but hearing you, I, I really want to now. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I will have time to, as I'll get into a little bit later. Uh, time is a precious commodity now, but um, but it's it's very you've made me want to. So uh, thank you. And for your last game, we're still in horror, but. Maybe a little bit more children-friendly, aren't we? <laughs> Mystery so horror I, things. I basically I wanted to pick something from Nintendo's offerings this year because 
I thought Nintendo had such a wonderful year. I mean, Yoshi's Crafted World was so much fun. Then they brought the you know, Super Mario Maker 2, which is just a great experience. And I love that I could, you know, build levels and share them and have my friends play them and stuff. I was playing uh, levels that my friend's kids made that were just absolutely insane. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that was a really fun experience. And then obviously Pokemon Sword and Shield came out, which is uh, Shield is the only Pokemon game I've actually played to completion. But then there was Luigi's Mansion 3, which I think was just the best of all of 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 probably one of nintendo's best years like this everything they put out this year was amazingly fun to play uh so luigi's mansion i thought was better than all of them but that's not to say that the other ones aren't worth mentioning because it was a really good year for nintendo so i picked luigi's mansion 3 and it's funny that you mentioned that it's kind of horror genre (laughs) it definitely has some of those tropes and stuff but yeah i hadn't even realized there's this kind of running theme of scary yeah i think all of i don't know how scary telling lies is but all of the other ones have a horror component to them so i really do i get maybe dead by daylight's just kind of warped my mind i don't know a little bit yeah (laughs) uh but yeah luigi's mansion it was just it was great it was charming it had all of the trappings of a Luigi Mansion game, but it added the uh, the Gooigi so you could go to different, explore different places by activating him and his powers, which was uh, an extra level of kind of puzzle solving. And I liked Luigi's Mansion 3 because you mentioned it's family friendly and it had those kind of very, very obvious puzzles that you had to solve. Like, OK, yeah, I, I can see there's a gem behind that wall it's made of like metal bars. So I just have to become Gooigi and then I can walk through the metal bars and I can get the gem easy peasy. But then they had like, it almost felt like, you know, when finding Nemo first came out and everyone was like, Oh my God, it's an animated movie for kids, but there's jokes for adults in it too. (laughs) That's kind of how Luigi's mansion felt to me where it was like, you know, it's obviously accessible for kids, but there's those puzzles for adults as well, because there were some that were really, really hard to actually figure out how to find and and the the penultimate boss fight was one of the most difficult bosses I've ever played in a Nintendo game and it was really hard but really fun and it would have been uh easier had I had I had a, a second player because that's the idea is that a second player can jump in and control Guiji but you can also play completely solo which is how I did it and which made the final or the penultimate boss fight really, really hard because <laughs> you have to basically control Luigi and Gooigi at the same time. So when you're swapping oh, really? back and okay. forth, yeah, when you're swapping back and forth between those two characters in a boss fight, oh man, it was super challenging. <laughs> and that's what I liked is is the the challenge level of Luigi's Mansion. I didn't kind of roll over this game, which I was expecting to. Um, but it, I could also see places where, you know, I could have a kid with me playing along and and able to help. And Nintendo is doing a really great job of that. And I kind of as much as uh, with the Game Awards, them kind of having everything in the family friendly category, they really do build games that are family friendly in that there's something for kind of all levels of skill. And um, I don't know, I just I really, really love this experience. It sounds like a, a lot of fun and a lot of joy. <laughs> um, it was. Yeah. And you're moving through a hotel as well. So it's called Luigi's Mansion, but it's a hotel. 
and uh, each floor of the hotel has a different theme. It basically feels like Yeah, that's what I wanted Vegas. to ask you about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so as you're moving through, you get to these different themes and, and each um, floor has a different shape of gems. So you know what you've collected and what you've missed. I really, really enjoyed it. I I can't speak highly enough about Luigi's Mansion because I feel like it got a little bit overshadowed by Pokemon, which maybe that's why I put it on my list instead of Pokemon. But <laughs> Um, it, I felt it got a little bit overshadowed because they came out right around the same time. And I don't think people should sleep on Luigi's Mansion 3. It was it was really great. It's funny, you know, because we started off by saying, oh, it's not as good as a year as 2016 or 2017 or 2018. And even 2016 was pretty crazy. As I mentioned, there was uh, Doom and Overwatch and a bunch of other mm -hmm. games. But it it feels like this is more quality than basically any other year except 2017 and 2018 um, yeah <laughs> it's a lot of good gaming it's uh i don't know it, it's it's weird because it is definitely not as shiny as some of the things we the other things we've seen even doom was such a resplendent uh reimagining of what doom was it feels more flashy but all of these games that you're talking about and that we talked about before are you know, they feel like they're just as valuable as... Oh, yeah, they were solid games, yeah. experiences, mm. for sure. And that's why I struggled to say, like, my thoughts about this year, because it was still a good year. It just... We're, we had been spoiled by, by 2017 and 2018, mm. which made this year look uh, lesser in comparison. But it doesn't mean that there wasn't a whole lot to be done. I think if this had come on the heels of 2015, 2016, we would have been like, oh, my God, 2019, yeah. best year in gaming. But we're coming off of 17 and 18 that were just incredible. So I think uh, this year just had a lot to live up to. And it maybe didn't get all the way there. But that doesn't mean that there weren't some some really excellent pieces of gaming to be found this year. Yeah. I, I'm looking at uh, the best games of 2016 and 15, which, you know, on Google, it just shows you the list um and we remember the last two years but 2016 overwatch uncharted 4 titanfall 2 which was criminally underrated uh doom <laughs> i was gonna say oh titanfall <laughs> <laughs> well i mean I it's know. not the best game ever but i think it was underrated uh dark souls 3 firewatch um well, I mean, no, well, No Man's Sky, the, when it came out, it wasn't maybe yeah. as good as it. Uh, maybe 2016 is a little bit less, but when we go look at 2015, The Witcher 3, Fallout 4, Bloodborne, Rocket League, Dark uh, Arkham Knight, um, Her Story, th there's a bunch of things, Undertale... Um, I don't know that they're all. Yeah, maybe it just years. maybe it's all faded into into my mm. into the background of my mind. Like I, I'm getting old, Patrick. So no, I mean it's <laughs> it's a feeling for everyone. I feel like I don't know. I, actually, looking at the lists, I feel like 2019 is better than 15 and 16. Maybe um, I don't know. It's more consistent. Like there are a lot of mm -hmm. really good games, but. Uh, uh, all right. Well, let's get to my list. And uh, as I kind of hinted at it, I, I did not have enough time to play everything I wanted to play. Um, <laughs> but I, Outer Wilds, we talked about a bunch and I talked about last episode and, and said a lot of good things about it. It is by far my game of the year. I would, even with everything we've discussed, 
I think it is, well, I mean, obviously I liked it, but it's the one that I would recommend people go seek out and do. Um, don't let the description of it uh, make you feel like it's not for you. Like, I'm not an exploration game fan. I, I don't really enjoy these kinds of things. Um, the 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 traveling, the movement in space was off-putting at first, but it took me like two, three hours to to get into it. But when you go into it with the idea that you just, you explore and you just go wherever you, you want and there's no path, there's no one way of doing it. And if some one planet is annoying you, then just go to another. Just there's leave, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no set order of anything. Um and it will be such an enchantment for you. I think it's definitely worth trying out. But anyway, I've talked about it a whole bunch. So <laughs> I will move on to a game that is it, it, that has infuriated me and delighted me <laughs> in equal amounts. Uh, and that's not Sekiro. I didn't play Sekiro, actually. Um, it's Fire Emblem Three Houses. I think that is a deeply flawed game that is also really cool um it I, I sort of bought it not on a dare but i thought you know i never really <laughs> like those uh turn-based strategy games in japan you know the japanese style and i don't really like those dating games but i'll give this one a try because every everyone is raving about it so much and maybe i'll I'll find something that I enjoy that I didn't know I could like. And it was exactly that. Um, it it brought me into that genre and I, I loved it for about 30 hours. And that's pretty good if you have restricted gaming time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I, it was during my, my time off in the summer and I ate and drank Fire Emblem for, for <laughs> like three weeks. Um, and it was amazing until I just, you know, I was so full that I started barfing everywhere. <laughs> 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 and, and it was, and it became, it went from, this amazing thing that I'm loving and loving being uh, uh, living in to something that I cannot stand anymore, that is a slug to get through and that I, I'm actively hating. Um, so much so that I actually didn't finish it. Um, I, I, I kept playing. I played, I played 20 extra hours. So I played for, and there was a thing in the middle that pushed me to play a little bit more, but then it went back to being exactly what it was before. So I played like 50 hours in this game, maybe more. Um, oh, I thought you meant like you, by the time you had your fill, then you played another 20 hours as your full 30. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you played 10 <laughs> hours you enjoyed and then 20 hours you couldn't stand? Well, I That's mean, it, commitment. <laughs> it, it, I mean, I played 30 I liked and 20 yeah, I couldn't stand. 20, 20 is yeah. still, you <laughs> know, a lot of time. It yeah. is a lot. I did want to go. I, and I, I think I will eventually uh, end up uh, finishing, but it, it's, it was frustrating because the, that series, Fire Emblem, is known for being so difficult that, and you know, there's permadeath if you want, and, and it's really hard, supposedly, no matter what, that I went on like the normal slash easy mode and no permadeath. 
And I did everything to make sure that, you know, I played through every mission, I, I leveled up everything I could, I explored the, the school for like hours and talked to everyone and did tons of missions, so much so that I am so overleveled, um, and a lot of people have been talking about that issue, that it, it's not... I don't want to say it's not interesting anymore because it's kind of whatever. It, I don't think the strategy is actually why I come to the game for. And some people are going to say, well, if you don't come to Fire Emblem for strategy, then obviously it becomes boring. But it wasn't boring for 30 hours and I was already one-shotting everything. Um, mm -hmm. It's just that first, the like the design side of it, if the game lets you do all those things and means that you're over-leveled for the, you know, if you play compulsively for 10 hours that means you're over leveled for the entirety of the game that is going to last 60 or 70 hours then there's a problem in the design of the game which is frustrating because it's a such highly regarded game and the other thing you is are, you are saying so many things right now that apply to my playthrough of pokemon <laughs> really oh that's interesting maybe yeah, it's a japanese like it's thing I don't know it, but it like it's so similar. It's like totally parallel experiences mm. of your experience in Fire Emblem and mine in Pokemon. I played it all the way through to the end, even though I'd gotten to the point where you know I was super super overpowered and I didn't even have to worry about like type matchups until mm. like the very final boss. And it was a lot of content to play through on on something that was just super super easy and turn based and and everything else. And yeah. Very much mirroring my experience in Pokemon with That's your talk of Fire Emblem. <laughs> same amount of about the same amount of time too. Oh, really? It was fifty hours. Yeah. Or yeah, okay. It's... I think yeah, maybe not quite. That. I think I played about thirty-five or forty hours in Pokemon, mm. and then you kind of get to. I got to the end, and then I was like, oh my god, now I have to fill out my Pokedex and I have to grind and blah blah. <laughs> and I've just walked away and never touched it again. <laughs> I can totally understand this, and and I think there is something about the the Japanese style where you can grind and and you know overcome the obstacle just by grinding there's a lot of japanese games that do mm -hmm. that i i know about japanese games you know it's not like i'm discovering this weird type of of gaming philosophy but it's just it feels like it's not um well put together and i don't think it's just about the uh western sensibilities it's just it's it's the com combination of that and the fact that I was so afraid of a Fire Emblem game that I, you know, I, I didn't want to do all of this, but I ended up doing it because I thought, oh, I have to be, you know, really meticulous about everything I do. So, and the other side of it is that the stories and characters are fun, but the, the repetition of uh, the months and the weeks is so stretched out, like you have... 12 months, so 52 weeks, and essentially they are all exactly the same. There's there's very little progression in that aspect of it. There's The story changes a little bit, but it doesn't... I mean, honestly, it doesn't... The, the characters don't go through... They go through like some... They're very one-note characters. And again, as is common in Japanese uh, uh, stuff, and... You know, I, I'm not a hater of Japan. I've lived there. I love the culture <laughs> and, and I hate it a little bit too. But, you know, I know the place, um, but it, it's very cartoony. So it was 
great for the beginning, but then th I don't think there's as much depth as a lot of people say there is. Um, oh my God. You're doing like the exact opposite of what you say that I do. <laughs> I'm listening to you talk about Fire Emblem and I'm like, I never want to play this game. <laughs> and yet, and yet it's on my list because I adore the first 30 hours. Yeah, no, I know. I know. It's, it's weird. I think I'm, I'm remembering the end of my experience, which was soured, but I really hesitated putting it on my list but when i think about it it's it gave me so much joy um for you know m m multiple 30 hours of gameplay yeah. <laughs> it's a long time so it is on my list but with that giant caveat um <laughs> And and I I only have three games on my list uh, with two mentions, two special mentions um, that are actually Baba is You and Disco Elysium um, because they're so weird and so so that's like the rounding it up to to four kind of to five kind of but the last one is Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order which it's weird because it's not a game that I think is is. A, a, a great game by any measure but it's a good game and it's <laughs> you have fun. such a weird game of the year list patrick i, I know i know and and the, the weird I thing put is this that on, but it's not great <laughs> so the thing is it's also about time i don't have uh you know i haven't had enough time to play through the games that i would have liked to uh, spend more time in. Although that might be a little bit disingenuous. I also, there are games that I would like to like that are interesting, but I, that I actually don't enjoy. I guess uh, Disco Elysium, I don't like games that make you read so much. And I appreciate the concept, <laughs> but I don't want to go through it myself. Uh, and Jedi Fallen Order, I actually enjoyed playing very much. You know, I, I but I recognize, I guess, that it is a little bit kind of like days gone you know i mm. enjoy it but i just recognize that kind of factually objectively it's not an incredible gaming experience especially in you know a year or a series of years where even um the triple a experiences that are not incredibly inno uh, uh, innovative like god of war and spider-man which do really cool things but you know they're not like uh, uh, super intriguing and don't advance the medium um even compared to those, Fallen Order doesn't really stack up. It doesn't compare to those. Uh, but still, it's still, because it's Star Wars, because it's it's well-designed, because it's very competent, I, I really like playing it. Um, so it is on my list because I enjoy it, I guess, not because it's an amazing <laughs> game. And I think a lot of people have that same feeling towards it. So I think it's warranted. Um, but again, I guess it's a, a little bit of a caveat for it. Uh, you, you know well, what you're getting. your games of the year, right? This isn't, yeah. you know, the, what the best ones were. These are the ones that you enjoyed. So I, I think it's totally valid to put something <laughs> that maybe other people are a little down on and maybe like you said this is me coming from putting days gone on my list <laughs> uh, that yeah. maybe it's something people are down on but you really enjoyed like i think I, that's perfectly valid it's patrick's game of the year not you know 
No, I agree. I, agree. <laughs> I, I, I do think, though, that even as I acknowledge that it is my list and I can do whatever I want um, <laughs> and, you know, F you if you don't like it. At the same time, I also recognize myself as a, uh, I hope, a, a knower of the industry and, and of the medium and of the art. I, I can't help myself from recognizing that um, it, it is it is not objectively resplendent. If that makes sense. Right. So I feel like I have to mention it uh, as well. But um, yeah, I, so, you need to put a little asterisk in, in the show notes behind <laughs> Star Wars and just put at the bottom, not resplendent. <laughs> like the best descriptor ever. Thank you. I, I, I think it's appropriate. Um, so, yeah. And I, I, I do want to mention, uh, I suppose, uh, Death Stranding. We didn't put it on any any of Nobody us. Nobody did. Yeah, put it on their list, uh, which I think is completely fair. Uh, I'm not sure it's 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 it has to be there. We also didn't mention there are a few games. You know, Plague Tale Innocence has gotten a lot of good reviews. I didn't have enough time to play through that. Uh, Apex Legends. I did play through it. Oh, you did. Um, okay, I did. Yeah, but I didn't necessarily love it. It was okay. Mm. Uh, okay, I had fair. a lot. It, the, just the the controls of it, uh, I found were a little frustrating at times, and mm. that can sometimes, especially when you're doing such a narrative experience, uh, if you have really frustrating controls, sometimes it can just overwhelm what you're supposed to be getting out of the game. And that was kind of where I landed on Plague Tale. Is it was it was it was okay, but some mm. of the controls just brought me right out of the experience. It's uh, it's a company, a French company that made it. So maybe it's at the forefront of my mind because it's being talked about a little mm. bit more here. Well, it, it was really interesting and it was a good story. They also used like obviously child characters. And there's a very fine line I find in media of all types of like the the little annoying child like that mm. you can get into like just shut up please <laughs> like with some <laughs> children characters very very quickly i mean carl from walking dead was such a meme for so long because he just always did the wrong thing he was super annoying and it's like that across all different properties and all different media so i think they did a really good job of making you really care about the kids and even though they were alone and relying on each other they were uh, done in a mature enough way that you, they were still childlike without, you know, crossing that like whiny, annoying line. Mm. <laughs> so I did think that they did a good job of portraying the ch the child characters. But yeah, it's still there were just some like mechanically there were there were some things in the game that were frustrating. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um Jason mentioned Sekiro, which, of course, uh, some people loved. I I was so close to buying it and giving it, giving it an, another go. I, I say another because I have never clicked with uh, the Soulsborne games. Uh, Me either. Yeah. But I, I do want to give it a try, but I guess I'll wait for another sale. And at some point, maybe I, I will. But it's, it's very time consuming. Like you bump your head against the wall for hours to learn the, the patterns and, and the bosses. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I'm, you know, I, I have the the liberty to do that now yeah. um and apex legend uh which i also mentioned very quickly i think we we should just you know mention it because it was such at the beginning of the year such a huge thing um i, I don't know if we should mention 
uh, Anthem, which is the opposite of that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, Apex Legends, I think, is is also worth putting in that, you know, oh, let's not forget about that one uh, list. But um, yeah, that's that's it. That's our list, uh, our lists for games of the year. And I think it is a pretty good one. So thank you very much, Joss, for taking part in this exercise again, um, for sharing your thoughts on these games, which you're making me want to play, even though I don't have time to. So you're adding to my eternal gaming frustration. I guess that's the <laughs> word we'll live in now. Um, Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you tell people where you where they can find you on the internet if they want more from you? Uh, sure, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch. I'm at Joss Plays. That's J O C E Plays. Perfect. Uh, the link will be in the show notes as always. For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, I think I'm going to publish this episode almost like right away, which means there will be a large gap between this one and the next one. I might do a filler. Well, not filler, but depending on what <laughs> happens in the news, I might do another episode before the next one, but we'll see. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. If I don't, I, will, I would like to wish all of you a wonderful Christmas, holiday, and amazing new year. Although we'll say that again next time. And uh, yeah, that's about it. If you want to share your thoughts on your games of the year, feel free to do so at frenchspin.com the, on the article for this episode. And uh, on Twitter, on for all of us, uh, share your feelings about what we said. If you agree, if you disagree, we'll be glad to hear them. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Bye.